podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. Today, I'm joined by Ben Steiner of Amico Hoops. Ben works in Indiana, but he is from Atlanta. I think it was around Thanksgiving you came home for the holiday. And it coincided nicely with a three-game Hawks homestand, and you were around quite a bit. (laughs) I'm always around, so I saw you around quite a bit. And uh, so, you know, I'm happy to have you on here today to to talk about your story and to sort of get the outsider's insider perspective for, you know, this this Hawks rebuild. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to be on. And just just another quick note, it's it's funny, it was actually a four-game homestand, I just left on Sunday. That's true. Uh, I left Sunday night, I I, I couldn't get over it. I mean, you never never see that in the NBA, I was like, I was like, I hit the lottery. Man, home game off day, home game off day, home game off day. You know, that never happens. It it happens more now that they've made such an emphasis of not having the back-to-backs. In fact, you know, I, I, I was talking to Lloyd Pierce yesterday, and he was lamenting the fact that, you know, it... The, the back to the not having back to backs is great in terms of like you know well you try to avoid injury and you you know you want to keep people fresh and healthy but uh, the flip side of it is he's like I have no time when I can practice because he he yeah, wants yeah. that you know you he wants the two consecutive off days of practice so you can have like a game and then for your two off days have an off day that's really off and then have a practice day in advance of the game. So you have kind of the, you know, the two consecutive days without a game are, are key for him to have the long, hard practices that he really wants to have. And he's, he's kind of excited about this week because it happens twice. Uh, it happened over the weekend and before the Warriors game. And then I think it happens again Thursday, Friday in advance of their Saturday game. So he's like, oh, wow, we're going to get some practices this week. So. Uh, yeah, they're spoiled. They're, they're spoiled. I mean, it reminds me of like in 2011, 2012, when they had a back, you know, lockout season, back to back to back game. <laughs> right. And then there was that one. I forget how awful it was, but there was something with the Pelicans. I think either last year or the year before, where it was like, I want to say it was just five straight days or something. They had something insane wow. because they had a they had a game where you know it was delayed by rain. Or you know, the, the, it was like a leaky roof, and so yeah. they had to reschedule it. And the only day that the, both teams were off that they could reschedule it was like the day in the middle of four days and five nights. And so they played just played five games in a row. It's like, how do you do that? That's incredible. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, so let let's uh, let's start with um, you know, what did you see? You know. Uh, hanging around the Hawks in terms of uh, you know culture and things like that, you know, did, did you get a, a good sense for how this rebuild is going? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, a lot of rebuilds can be lousy and, and painful and depressing, but I mean, they look like they they care. You know, they they and they're genuine about it. They're not they're not going out there like expecting we're gonna lose. Like if you if you're in there after you see. You know, Trey Young, he, you know, he doesn't look too, you know, happy about, you know, and he's respectful about everything. But I'm saying he got, he got, he's not okay with it, you know, losing. And you got Vince Carter and, and, and all these veterans, Jeremy Lin, that, that have been around and they're helping these young guys, uh, Herder, Young, Spillman, uh, et cetera, kind of learn how, how to cope. And I think that 
five, six years from now, if they're as successful as they want to be, and let's say Trey, Trey Young and Kevin Herter are, are the starting backcourt in six years, which, which they hope, uh, they, they will definitely take a lot from this season and what they learn from those guys. So there was one point, uh, I want to say it was after the loss to Boston. So it was kind of a weird week because they, they lost all three games when you were there. But the yep. Wednesday game was kind of like this emotional break because Vince Carter scored his 25,000th point on a dunk at the buzzer. And so, you know, instead of the usual, you know, morose post-game, you know, post-mortem, that Wednesday game just kind of left everybody, you know, uh, a little more chipper than they would be after a typical loss. But yeah. for yeah. the Hawks, they the Friday after... Vince scored his 25,000th point. That next game against Boston, they kind of laid an egg. And after the game... A struggling Boston, too. Yeah, a struggling Boston team. And you kind of knew that the Hawks were upset because 35 minutes after the game ended, Lloyd Pierce came out for his post-game presser. And so you know... The already cleared out. Yeah, uh... I mean, I was in there, and it's like, well, this is taking a long time. I had plenty of time to go and look up when the game ended. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, now I've got an exact count of how long it's taken. And I'm pretty sure it was 35 minutes when he when he set foot in the door. He said that Vince Carter spoke to the team. Uh, later on when I talked to Bazemore, he's like, yeah, some guys got some things off their chest, just kind of clear the air. Uh, and Trey Young was out on the main court, you know, the actual court of, I almost said Phillips Arena, but State Farm Arena, yeah, taking shots with his dad. And, and, you know, the locker room was kind of a grim place afterward. You were waiting for Trey Young. I was, I was waiting for Trey. I actually wanted to talk to Vince, so I wasn't really waiting for Trey so much. I was like, oh, well, you know, Vin, Vince said something to the team. I want to ask Vince what he said. Uh, and so I waited a long time. You waited a long time waiting for Trey. And finally, I was like, you know, if if it's taken him this long, you know, I got to see these guys every day. I I don't want <laughs> I don't want to irritate them any more than they're already irritated. Yeah. So if they're waiting this long, I'm gonna step out. But you stayed, and you talked to Trey. How did that go? Uh, it went yeah, it went really well. And so he comes. So you know, like I said, kind of in the article is like. As you put it, the media availability took so long, and then the players were still talking. As you said, it was grim, but the players were still in the locker room talking, and they were answering questions. They weren't being facetious or anything, uh, even though it was getting very late in the night. Uh, they were still – it was normal media availability. And then after all that, Trey Young's still not there. And then he finally shows up. I didn't even know at the time that he had been shooting. He was in his workout clothes. You know, I knew he wasn't – didn't just take a shower. But I didn't know he was shooting, and uh, I figured that out obviously later. And uh, he comes right, you know, back from shooting, and uh, uh, they ask him, "You want to take a shower? Or can you can you speak to me real quick?" Uh, and then nothing. He's like, "I can I can talk to him right now." You know, I forget his exact wording, but something like that. And uh, you know, I go up to him and we speak. And, and he was obviously not happy, but he was kind of uh, motivated to to get better, and, and that he was going to get better, and he's not worried. And he just wants to get back. I think. I think the. I don't remember what the exact quote was, but he wants to get back to what he's known for, and and that's you know taking taking good shots and taking a lot a lot more than he's been taking. 
I think that night he only took like seven or eight shots from the field. So that's that's not you know Trey Young, right? Um, and so just it was it was very humbling to see. Uh, this is the what fifth overall pick in the draft, right? Because they made the trade at three, but it was, he's, he was considered the fifth overall pick. And right. um, just like a lot of them could be driving home, he's got a he's got a nice you know black car, and he you know black Audi. Smells like popcorn though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know he's, got a nice, he's, got, he's got a nice black Audi. He's right. down to Buckhead and just been chilling all night. And fifth overall pick in the draft is Trey Young. But no, he, he was he took it, you know, like a man would, not not like a kid. And and he wants to get better. And I was just very impressed. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of players in the NBA that are high picks that, that wouldn't do that. Let's just put it that way. Okay. And, and you know, you know, I'm very impressed by. He's a very humble kid, and uh, you know, I spoke to him after all three games. But this one, obviously, no one was around. It was, it was just me and him. And uh, a very humble kid. Uh, I later wrote something on Twitter a few days later about spending a week in Atlanta. He actually retweeted it. Uh, so I mean, it, it was nice to be a little friendly with him for a few days and kind of see what he's like. And he really, really impressed me. Because I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie. I before I came to Atlanta uh, that week. I said to everybody and their grandmother, the Hawks made a huge mistake. Luka Doncic is this special real deal, and 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 they really made a mistake. And and I I, I said that profoundly uh, because Luka Doncic to me is the real deal. But after spending a week in Atlanta, I think Trey Young could be just as much the real deal as Luka Doncic, if not better. Okay. So what makes you think that? I mean, like I mean, at some point. I mean, we could talk about the culture, and we could talk about the fact that you know they're they're putting the right environment around these young kids so that they can get better. But they still have to get better at something. What do they? What does what does this team have to get better at? Like, let's start with Trey Young. You know, what if if he's going to be that player that you know when you look fifteen years from now at this draft and you say, okay, you know, which teams hit on which players in that draft? What does he have to do? What does he have to be, so that the Hawks can say, "Oh yeah, they they hit on that pick when they when they picked him after making the trade." Well, right now, I think a lot of people are knocking him for his efficiency. So I think just as a young player, that's going to get better and better. But a lot of people are knocking. It was a twenty-five and seventeen game. I think he shot eight of twenty-two, and uh, a lot of people are knocking him for the efficiency. So I, I think that's definitely something that he specifically got to get better at. He's just being efficient, being confident that you know it, it's still. It's the same. It's the same ten-foot basket. It wasn't Oklahoma. You know, if you're five of nine from the field, right? You know, five of ten, five of eleven. You know, and your numbers or percentages keep dropping that night. You know, just be confident in your own game. I think that, you know, as we saw, he only took a few shots from the field one night. Just you know, stay confident. And I think that that's something he's got to he's got to get to, and he's got a lot of confidence. And mm-hmm. I think that that as a young player, he's only 20 years old, and I think that he'll figure that out eventually. Just kind of how to stay confident through the course of a night. Um, but just, I really want to touch on real quick is this, just sure. as I didn't finish before, is that the reason because you said why you know why, how, why do I think he could be so good and why did I change my opinion so much when I was down there? Sure. Because uh, I like I said I, I was I was like adamant Luka Doncic is a is is was was should be the number one pick and the Hawks may may have a stake for decades to come, and and I still think that Luka Doncic should have been the number one pick. However, Trey Young, I didn't realize he was such a good passer. That's what I didn't realize. I thought he was just a gunner, you know, right. that just, you know, pulls up and can hit good shots. But more of like a like a Lou Williams, you know what I mean? I didn't realize he's got like like potential like Hall of Fame vision. Sure. I mean, 17 assists. 
People are saying, oh, he shot 8 of 22 when he had 25 and 17. I put in one of the articles before before this one, I said, forget the 25 points. If he had 0 points and 17 assists against the Clippers with Bradley and Beverly, that's an amazing game for a 20-year-old. Sure. Uh, so that's just what I want to touch on is that he has incredible vision. And I think that's what you said kind of like in the future, 10, 15 years from now, why is he going to be so good? Uh, and the Hawks, I think it's because of not his scoring, his passing, and his playmaking. Right. And, and I mean, I'm sure I've said this on this podcast at some point before, but the other thing that, that's been really impressive is that, you know, at his size, he's been a pretty consistent finisher around the rim. Um I mean, I didn't think that, you know, 25, 24, 25 games into the season that, you know, we'd be talking about Trey Young, how, you know, how much of a struggle it's been for him from the outside, but inside, you know, in that floater layup game, he's really not had a lot of trouble finishing over the world's biggest and tallest athletes. Uh, that, that's been really impressive. Um, you know, in, in the NBA, in the 2018-19 season, it's, it's not that big a deal, I guess, maybe, to, to say that you're a point guard who can, you know, create something off the dribble, like, you know, initiate dribble penetration, just because the rules now, they're so set up so that, you know, you can, you can get to a spot off the dribble. It's, it's really hard to defend point guards without fouling. But, yeah, hand you know, checking and all yeah, that, yeah, you know, hand checking is gone and there's so many fouls and there's such an emphasis on freedom of movement now that, you know, being able to drive the lane isn't that big a skill. But what we're seeing from Trey Young is that once he starts that drive, you know, he's got the tools to finish. He's going to find people pretty consistently, um, you know, to this point in the season, he's got 178 assists to 95 turnovers. That That's pretty good for a young kid. Uh, you know, that's almost who's known a, for a, scoring. Who's known for scoring too? That's that. That's sure. what I. That's what I, I mean, over. he led the nation in assists at Oklahoma, so I mean, he was known for his passing to an extent. I mean, it oh, wasn't yeah, totally. it wasn't the Sports Center highlight reel because they you know they would focus on the shooting, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, he 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 deserves credit for his passing, and he deserves you know, like I said before, he deserves a lot of credit for his finishing at the rim. Um, Lloyd Pierce was asked a little bit about Trey the other day, and I forget exactly what the question was. But it turned into Pierce talking about what Trey Young would practice. And what he was saying was he wants Trey Young to practice. I'm trying to make sure that this is a fair, <laughs> a fair paraphrase here. Yeah. He wants him to practice the off-the-dribble three-point shots. So, you know, if he's running a pick-and-roll, if the defend—this is, this is a pretty fair paraphrase of it here, I think. You know, if he's running a pick-and-roll, if the defender goes under, that's a shot he's got to take. And so he's, he's got to make those off-the-bounce, maybe slightly off-balance, uh, three-pointers when a defender goes under the pick-and-roll under the pick on a pick and roll so that you know you can pen punish them because if they do that it's going to be really hard for him to drive obviously so he's got to be able to make that off the bounce three-pointer in those situations and he said you know trey has to figure out that that's the thing he has to practice which you know he didn't criticize anything directly there but indirectly i don't know if he was you know criticizing the fact that he's you know practicing 
more of a set shot or he's he's you know he's he's taking a lot of those shots that are 27 28 feet from the logo um you know maybe you know he he's gonna have to eventually do more without the ball in his hands because that will improve his shot selection you know if he gives it up moves through the offense and gets it back and it's an open three-pointer where he can just kind of stand still with his feet on the line or feet right behind the line you know that, that that's going to be a great shot for him because he's a good shooter but he's taking really difficult shots don't you think yeah yeah i think that's a great analysis from lloyd pierce yeah I, I didn't know that that he said that that's a very good analysis and i'm thinking about it that's 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 totally what he should work on not to not to like not kind of relevant now but just kind of Darren Williams, like we spoke about him earlier, just real quick, is that one, one of the things that I liked so much about him was, you know, because at one time he was an all-star point guard in the NBA. And and what he did so well, he wasn't even a great shooter when he was coming into the league, and, and what he does so well now is, or, you know, then, uh, five, ten years ago, was he would go around the, he'd make a dance with the crossover, and then he'd either go around the pick or he'd step back and hit a three. And, and that's something that Trey Young's got to work on, you know, once you, totally. Instead of the kind of Steph Curry from, from 30, just kind of work on the, you know, the pick. You, you make a nice move, you step back, three-pointer. Right, and, and you know, another thing that came up over and over again yesterday was the Trey Young-Steph Curry comparisons. Oh, yeah, I bet. And, you know, to me, those begin and end with the fact that they will take those 30-foot shots. But other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't see the comparison. I mean, I, they're both, I think they're both going to be great offensive talents, but you know, for Trey Young, he's like a shifty point guard. That's not Steph at all. Steph, yeah, no. Steph, Steph is the greatest shooter of all time, and Trey Young, like, he's more like Kyrie or you know something like that because you know his. His prodigious talent at this point is that he just has immaculate handles. Like, he can get where he wants to go with a live dribble and keep that dribble going the whole time. But like, with no fear of anybody poking it. You know, he can get to where he wants on the, on a floor with a live dribble. And and that's not Steph at all. Steph, Steph is a shooter, and, and Trey is about the handles. And so, you know, Steph was asked about it. Steph said... You know, actually, to be honest, I'm kind of tired of the comparisons. Honestly, it's getting old. To be honest. I mean, again, he's his own player. Just like when I was a rookie, Steve Nash's name was thrown out there a lot. Uh, you take that with respect and understand it's flattering, but at the end of the day, that's not going to carry you through your league. It's, it's what you do with the opportunity you have in front of you. So um, I've been blessed to have. Had a lot of success and experience in the league. Obviously, you, know, you expect Trey to kind of carve out his own lane um, and again be himself. He didn't have to be anybody else but, but himself. Clay Thompson said, "You know, the kid's 20. You know, let him let him grow into his NBA role without burdening him, you know, with that kind of comp." So, you know, the Warriors were smartly, you know, downplaying it because that's that's just an unreasonable expectation. So, like. I guess what I would ask you is let's let's throw away Steph, let's throw away Steve Nash. Uh, I'll take you know I mentioned Kyrie, which is kind of stupid, but you know I'm just trying to find like 
Trey Young might be a top 10 ball handler of all time. So that that's where I was going with the Kyrie thing. But yeah. let, let, let's take the ridiculous superstar names off the table. You know, if you throw away the super duper Hall of Fame stars, like what's a reasonable comp for Trey Young to grow into? Well, people will take this as a shot, but I, I think he's an amazing player. Is Mike Conley. You know, Mike Conley, it's like what you're saying. He can dribble and dribble. No one's going to take it from him. He can score. He's a good passer. And whenever he's on the floor, the Grizzlies are almost a 50-win team whenever he's on the floor. Um, so I think Trey Young could be better than Mike Conley, obviously. But I think that that's a great comparison. Like for him, Hall of Fame and All-Stars and everything. Mike Conley is an outstanding player in this league. Uh you know, he's paid like it, too. He has, like, a $150 million contract. I mean, he's, not, he's, no, scr- he's no scrub. Like, he's no right. scrub. Um, and, and literally, if you look at them right now, they missed Conley most of the year last year. He comes right back into this, the same roster, basically, and, and, they're, and they're a playoff team in play. All right. So, but if we're going to go down that road, Conley's going to be a better defender than Trey Young. True. I mean, even if, even if Trey, I think, Maybe I, this is an unfair speculation, but I think if Trey maximizes everything that he can defensively and, you know, fights over pick and rolls, um, you know, learns how to, you know, put some extra ball pressure on the point guard, the opposing point guard when needed. You know, if he does everything right defensively and just as a coach's dream in terms of like picking up defense, I'm still not sure that he gets to where Mike Conley is. So what's, you know, to make that comparison work, he's going to kind of have to tilt the scale offensively. Where where does that tilt come? Yeah, no, it, it's tough. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> tough. I guess, I guess, you know, it's a cliche, but I mean, he's Trey Young. I guess we could put it at that. He's not anyone else. Okay. Um, I just, it, it's tough. And Vince Carter, actually, after the game uh, against the Clippers, he gave a really, really good answer to all of this. I asked him, I said, you know, you played with Jason Kidd in your prime, obviously with the Nets, and then Steve Nash at one point. Uh, yeah, and he also did play with Mike Conley, I didn't bring that up. And he gave, like, a, a long answer. This was oh, that's a long, true. long answer about how, about how let's stop, let's stop, let's stop looking at these Hall of Fame uh, point guards and comparing them to rookies. Let's, like, what, okay, how do I, let me rephrase this. He sure. said, let's stop looking, let's stop comparing the rookies to these Hall of Fame point guards when they were at their, you know, peak. Why don't we compare them? This is like obviously paraphrasing him. Why don't we compare them to where they were when they were young? You know, Jason Kidd wasn't perfect when he started. Steve Nash wasn't perfect when he started. Let's look at Trey Young and look at the progressions of where he was, you know, where Jason Kidd was when he was 20 years old. Not look at Jason Kidd when he was averaging almost a triple double. I hear you. I yeah. thought that was a very, very good answer. Uh, to kind of, it, it just kind of opened up the perspective. He, he brought up Kevin Herter too, and how he tells Kevin to, you know, to look at the progressions of these guys, not look at them as the finished. I think he used the word polished product. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a great way to look at it because I, I obviously like I, you know, everyone, me, you, everyone, we, we all like to compare, uh, and and I thought that it really changed my outlook on it. Sure. I mean, exactly. Uh, I asked, I asked Lloyd Pierce yesterday. You know, uh, to back backtrack a little bit, you know, Lloyd Pierce was coaching in college for a while. He went uh, as like uh, a player development specialist to Cleveland for three years, but then he spent a year in Golden State, and it was Steph's second year, 
And so I was like, you know, did you work with Steph? You know, what did you work on? And trying to, trying to at the point spot, really just trying to navigate how to play the position. And, you know, a unique talent, unbelievable shooter. Uh, even back then, he's always been a unique talent, and unbelievable player. Um, you know, one of the things we did at the end of the season, he had an ankle injury and he was hurt, so he couldn't get on the court. Uh, we just talked about his turnovers and how to escape, you know, bait situations and not driving the crowd and not, you know, find the easy reads. But understanding, really, the bottom line was just reading NBA defenses. And, you know, I wasn't going to help him with his shooting. <laughs> so <laughs> tried to find something to, to make an impact. Uh, but that was just a conversation. It wasn't even on the court. It was just a conversation postseason of, you know, one way to grow in it. That was the issue, was trying to help him avoid being in trouble situations. We knew right away that, you know, first season, second season, Steph was going to be a great shooter. And so, you know, it's interesting to try to make some kind of comparison for Trey because he's he's not going to be Steph Curry as a shooter. It, it, we would, even 25 games in, you'd probably see a little bit more of it than we've seen at this point. You know, he shot, I want to say, 33% at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, that that's very different than what Steph did at Davidson. So I think we know he's not going to be a, a Steph Curry shooter, but at the same time, you know, you see him play, and you know, when he has those twenty-five point seventeen assist games, it's like, oh, he's still going to be something special offensively. We just don't know quite what it is yet, and it's hardest for point guards because it just takes them longer. There's just so much to learn. There's so you know such ridiculous competition. You know, like. Who were the point guards, you know, when you were here for your three games? It was, uh, you know, Patrick Beverly and Avery Bradley were uh, the Clippers. Yeah. And then the Raptors had Lowry, obviously. <laughs> and then uh, Friday was Kyrie Irving. Right. Which is, which is, just to kind of go off what you were just saying, I like what you're saying about how it's tough to develop a separate point guard. Well, Vince Carter was saying, you know, he wasn't saying don't compare them to, to these great players. He was saying don't compare them to sure. them when they were in their prime. Exactly. So I think that's why I like it so much because, like, we can compare Trey Young to Steph Curry, but let's look at Steph Curry in his first year. Now, you're totally right about you, you can tell that he's not going to be the same shooter. But, I mean, he's the greatest shooter ever, so no one's going to be him. But, but we can look at Curry's first year. We can look at his second year. We can look at Kyrie's first year in Cleveland when they were just dreadful. And we can look at and take those things away because that's we don't remember. We don't remember when Kyrie was in his first year in, in Cleveland and they were awful. We don't really remember when Steph Curry, they almost wanted to trade him. I think, I think they were going to trade him over Monte. It was, it was, they wanted to trade one of Monte Ellis or him, and one of them had to go. We don't even remember Monte Ellis and him were basically like seen as even. So I think that's why I like it so much is because we kind of, we really do forget where they were in their first or second year. Yep. Yeah, and, and let's see. And, and the third game was Kyrie, so it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And since then, it's been like... And Rozier off the bench. Yeah, Rozier off the bench. And since then, it's been like two games against Kemba. Uh, you know, last night against Steph. I mean, it's just the level of competition that you face on a night-in and night-in basis. Night-in and night-out basis is ridiculous. And one of the things that, you know, Pierce has said over and over again about his rookies is that, you know, it's a learning experience. You know, the first time you go to the league, it's just, you know... It's things like, how do you guard each player? You know, how do you, what are you supposed to do when you're guarding Kemba? What are you supposed to do when you're guarding Steph? What are you supposed to do when you're guarding Kyrie? I mean, 
when you get better at defending players when you know what they're going to do and you you know you can say that you can watch it on video all you want but it's you know getting your feet on the floor and actually doing it is a learning experience and he should be better at just about everything he does the second time around when he faces some of these players if bud was just i want to pose a quick question if bud was still here what would anything be different uh just being around the hawks like what do you think if, if coach bud was still uh running the show maybe with trey young and these young guys uh <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just yeah curious. no i i think that's a really uh, a really good question um coach bud is obsessed with transition defense you know rightly or wrongly i, I would say rightly because <laughs> yeah I, i'm kind of crazy like him like you know what's the thing you got to do Sometimes you just got to turn your head and run and get back and it's hard and you just have to put your head down and do it or keep your head up and do it so that you know what's happening. Yeah. But like there have been times where the Hawks haven't been great at that and specifically Trey Young. So I think there would be times where, you know, he would get sat down more by Bud than okay. than what Pierce would do. I think there would be times where it'd be like, yeah, if that's what you're gonna do, you're gonna have to come sit next to me. We'll, we'll talk about it. Flipping that coin around entirely, I think that you know, three years from now, he's going to be a better player from having Coach Pierce. That Pierce is a teacher. Pierce is the most patient coach I've ever seen. Like he just does not get up like. He will not show up as players. He won't dress them down. You know, I, I've seen him get heated at the refs. But he is just the coolest head ever when it comes to his own players. And I think that's going to be refreshing with respect to, you know, if he's going to be in town for a long time and Trey Young's going to be around for a long time, that, that relationship isn't going to get stale and tired and aggravating. On the other, I think it'll just be, you know, uh, a bonding human relationship that that will really strengthen over time. So, uh, I I think he's I think he's going to be good for Trey Young. Yeah, we we brought up Kyrie. Uh, just I just a real quick notice. I think Kyrie. I could be wrong. I I'm close to one hundred percent sure. Wasn't Byron Scott his first coach in Cleveland? If it was, I mean that's that's like that's like a you know, how about you know veteran coaches you know sitting people down and and being strict with things. I th I think that was his first coach. Uh, Byron Scott, so you know. that that's a good question because you know we mentioned before that that Pierce was in Cleveland for three seasons. I think did Pierce go out right before Kyrie came in? Do I have that right? I'm trying to. No, I guess not because wait, no, how did they get the pick? Was it their own pick when they drafted Kyrie, or was it somebody else's pick? Uh. They had two picks that year. I don't know which one was. One, one, four was four was Tristan Thompson. One was Irving. One, one of them was there. I don't remember which. Okay. So yeah, his his but first his mean, first mean, his what, first coach was Byron Scott, though. Yeah. The way you're phrasing uh, Lloyd Pierce sounds like that. That's really good for Trey. Well, not a shot, but like you know, a Byron Scott, maybe even a Coach Bud, is not the best for a, a 20 year old point guard because you know they they want to win so badly right now, and they're they're more of a veteran's coach. And so, where would you put Byron Scott in that classification? Oh, Byron Scott, I put him on the, you know, totally a vet, uh, kind of a, a veteran's coach. Okay. So you think Kyrie I, just thrived in spite of that then? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think maybe, you know, I guess when you've got a you know, number one pick from Duke, maybe, you know, it's just, I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, that I just remember what, during his Lakers tenure, there was a lot of talks about how Byron Scott's going to play the older guys. He doesn't want to play the D'Angelo Russells and stuff like that. So okay. I was just saying that the way you were phrasing Lloyd Pierce made me think Trey Young is in a good position. Oh, sure, sure. So we spent a lot of time talking about Trey Young. What did you, what did yeah. you see about some of the other Hawks when you're here? What, what other takeaways did you have from, from your week home in Atlanta? Uh, Kevin Herter definitely is good. I like Kevin Herter a lot. Don't get me wrong. I, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I just thought that 19th overall, I, no, I thought that was a surprise. That's, that's all I'm going to say. It's not a shatter. I just thought it was a surprise. I think that he could have gone a little later. They, you know, But if that's your guy, that's your guy. So I just I like that. I think at 25, there's Landry Shamit. Um, and then Okogie from Georgia Tech was drafted after him. Grayson Allen at 21. So there were some good guards <clears throat> Excuse me, still there. But, but if Herter's your guy, it's your guy. So uh, I was very impressed uh, just, you know, that, that he could live up to being, you know, not, not the best pick in the world, but he could live up to the 19th overall pick. He could. And, and he definitely impressed me. I, I watched him a lot um, at Maryland last year. Right. So I really liked him. I just was shocked when I heard 19th overall. I was just shocked. But, but, but look, he's really good. I, and like I'm saying, it's weird, it's weird that I keep saying the 19th overall because I really like him. But, <clears throat> but if he's their guy, I think he really could be the guy that could you could put next to Trey Young because – He's big. Like, he's a big guy. And um, he can kind of play that 3D role. You can compare him to anyone you want. You can say, oh, he could be Clay Thompson, Danny Green, Kyle Korver, whatever. Let's just say he's Kevin Herter, and he's a big guy. And if he can hit the three-point shot consistently, he could be a starter in this league. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sort of I'm, – I'm the opposite. Like, coming into this draft, I was like, okay, Jaron Jackson Jr., like – he might not be the best player in this draft, but he's like the one guy who I know is going to play in the NBA for 14 years if he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He's just going to be around. Like he's he's going to be a starter. He's going to be you know solid. He's got the tools. You know he can shoot. He can play defense. He's got a great body. He's young. He's going to get better. Like I know, you know, he's the son of an NBA player. Like I just feel it in my bones that he's going to have a 15-year NBA career. Like, he's just going to be around. When I look at Trey Young and Kevin Herter, like, maybe Trey Young has the higher ceiling, but I feel like it's a sure thing that Kevin Herter is going to be in the league 12 years from now. And, you know, Trey Young, he might be, but, like, he's still, you know, he's, I mean, there's there's the potential that, that he's not in the NBA in 12 years. Like, you know, and again, this is, we're just taking, take injury and throw it away. We're assuming good health here, but like the NBA is a rough place for six foot guards, six foot point guards. Um, you know, there have been other point guards that have, that have come in that, that, that haven't thrived. And there's such a need for wings, the way the NBA is played now, you know, bigs, bigs are phased out. Point guards are still point guards, but just you need, two wings on the court at all times, sometimes three, sometimes four. I mean, it's, I just think that Kevin Herter is going to be an NBA starter for oh. an awfully long time and, and, and a good one because he hasn't really done it yet, but I think he's probably the best shooter on the team. You know, with, with Torian Prince and him, you know, kind of, kind of being like a tie, but I think those are the two best shooters on the Hawks, and he just does – everything else really really well i think he had like the worst game of the season this week uh not the last not against the warriors but the one before that but 
You know, he just has incredible defensive instincts. Like, he's always reading the plays just so fast for a rookie. Um, you know, jumps the passing lanes at the right times, knows when to double, knows when to recover. You know, he can dribble, he can shoot, he can handle the ball. I think it's going to be interesting to see him develop that part of his game um, in terms of being like a, a, a playmaker in the pick and roll. As they develop Trey, they don't need that as much, especially now that he's starting and so they're on the court at the same time and the ball's in Trey's hands. But I'm all in on Kevin Herter. I just I feel like he's a safer bet than Trey Young at this point. You, you know, Trey having the higher ceiling, but Kevin, I mean, I just feel like he's a 99.9%, you know, plus NBA starter for a very long time. I'm on your side. I think maybe I maybe. I'm on your side here. There's a Kevin Herter side uh, and there's a no side. I'm on your side. I just think, I just think, I just don't know about starter yet. That's what I'm saying. I think that he could be, he's going to be in this league for, I completely agree. He could be in this league for 12 years, maybe even longer. I'm just saying, I got to, I want to see it. And you pick him a 19th overall pick. I'm telling you, these guys you're going to hear about in the 20s, Landry Shamit is really good. You know what I'm talking about, the Sixers. Landry Shamit is really good. And if you chose Herder as your guy in that spot, I just I need to see him be a starter in this league, and I don't think he can't be. I'm just saying that no, I agree. I'm totally sold on him on him being in the NBA for a while. He, he's a really good player. I just want to see him be better than these guys, Shamit, uh, you know, Okogi, and the other guys that they that they, cho- that they chose him above. And I think that he's a good player. That's not enough. If they yeah. picked him at 28th overall, okay, right. if the Hawks picked Herder at 28th overall, I'd be dancing in the street saying the Hawks are geniuses. So that's what I'm trying to say. Like, if they sure. picked him up later, I just looked at that spot and I said, "You better be good." That's all I'm saying. Right. You better, you better be worth it. I, I, I would, if it were me, I would say that he's, you know, he's offensively he's better than Akogi, and defensively he's better than Shamet. So, okay. That, that, yeah. that's why, that's why I think he goes 19 and not 28. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I could, I could, I could totally see that point. And you went 19. So yeah, <laughs> totally see that point. I just like Shamit a lot. I sure. just like Shamit a lot. Yeah, he's 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 going to be a great offensive player, and that's yeah. what the, that's what the Sixers need. So he went yeah. to the he went to the right place. Uh, what about some other Hawks? Any 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 other takeaways from uh, from your week here in Atlanta with, with respect to other players? What? Maybe yeah, totally. Vince uh, Carter or somebody else? Any any anybody? Vince Carter kinda... just, uh, just half man, half amazing. He's forty one. We could talk about that for hours. Just the fact that he's still in the, you know, look at Carmelo Anthony, what's going on with him, and that Vince Carter's seven years older than him, and still, still being somewhat productive out there. Uh, that's not a shot. He's being productive. Put, take away somewhat productive. He's being productive in, in plenty of ways. Sure. You see him going with Russell Westbrook the other night. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Vince Carter, I got a lot of respect for what he's been doing. Um, but yeah, they, they have, uh, they have interesting guys. Like uh, John Collins is a guy I think could be an all-star. I think not not this year, right. but three, four, five years from now, John Collins is is built like a big boy that's strong, and he can do a lot of things. And he just got started playing because he was hurt. Yeah. So I mean, we have, we saw his rookie year. I think he averaged like ten points, seven rebounds, one block. I mean, that's his rookie year. We haven't really seen him this year, you know, yet, other than a few games. He had his career high last night against the Warriors. <laughs> there you go, and and. and I think four years from now, we could be looking at him as a, at worst, like, you know, a top, you know, a top guy at his position. Maybe not a star, maybe not an all-star, but 
at, at worst, a top guy at his position. A guy you say, oh, that's a really good player in this league. Okay. I really like John Collins. Yeah. I think that's a guy that can stick uh, with that core of Young, Herter, um, Spillman, going out, going through with them because uh, he's obviously still very young. He's a second-year player. I, I think he's a really, really good player. What, what are your thoughts on, on Collins as a, as a future outlook? He's he, He's got – I know we're talking about unfair comparisons, but I think this is – I think this is a fair one. I mean, I think he's kind of – Amari Stoudemire-ish, like he's 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 almost too good to be a power forward, but he's kind of a little bit too small to be a center, but he's just like a force of nature on the pick and roll. Like that's a great comparison. He's, he's just like so gifted offensively. Like he can shoot. He's got you throw him with the ball and he catches it. Right, that's such an underrated freaking skill. Like <laughs> so many guys, like you know, just they can't be a good pick and roll player because you throw him the ball and there's like. A hiccup in the catch. They catch it, but they don't really catch it clean. Then they got to corral it. Well, the defense just corrected itself and got got back to where they wanted to get, and now you can't score. You throw John Collins a ball, he's going to catch it. And then he just combines that with obscene athleticism so that he can play offensively bigger than he is, you know, finishing at the rim, going up to get stuff. Um, He's just such an amazing pick-and-roll player and, you know, a good person to have in the locker room. So, uh, you know, for a young team, I, I, I th- he's a good player to have as, uh, you know, somebody who is a year in, kind of the young veteran for these kids as, as they show up. Yeah, they picked a kid uh, 10 years ago in the late first round from Wake Forest, and it was uh, Jeff Teague. So, I mean, he worked out just fine. <laughs> That's right. Like, same draft pick and everything. I think it was like 19 or something. He he was a steal in last year's draft. Let's just say that. Yeah, I, I completely – that's what I'm saying. Like, so him and Herder were the same pick. And so, you know, that that's what I'm just saying about Herder's spot. Just, you right. know, I want to see him do well. I, I genuinely like Herder a lot. Sure. I think, you know, John Collins was picked in that same spot. Look at him. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not the – you know, it's not the end of the draft. No. All right, so – uh, you are based when you're not home uh, for the holidays in Atlanta. You're based in Indiana, and yes. so you're credentialed, and you go to a bunch of Pacers games. And I know that you know, you cover basketball for Amico Hoops, and you take it from a national perspective. But you watch a lot of Pacers games, so can I ask you a couple of questions about the Pacers before we check out? Yep. Yeah. All right. So. I guess the first one is this, like if you look at the top of the East and people keep saying, oh, the top of the East is so fun this year. And it's like, you know, the Sixers, they're kind of weird and the Celtics are struggling. The Raptors look like gangbusters. You know, the Bucks had a really hot start and Giannis is probably, you know, a serious MVP candidate. Is there any way that the Pacers crack that group of let's call it the top four in the East? I don't know. I don't, I don't think, <laughs> you sound hesitant. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I wanted to say yes because, uh, but Oladipo just went down too. I don't know how long he's out. Okay. And um, he's out indefinitely. And right. so I think that right there, just if he's out even 15 games, they forget about it. Um, he's really good, and I think they caught a lot of people off guard last year. And Oladipo just loves something about the state of Indiana because you know he started here in college. 
was, was a solid player in his first few years, but I mean, just last year he was a stud. And this year he's been nothing sort of sensational either. Gives you a show every night. Uh, he'll put up 20-plus. He'll hit game winners. He really impresses me. Uh, considering, I, I mean, I was I, I was kind of down on him his first year. I think a lot of people were. I mean, he wasn't that good his first few years in the league. Um, he was okay. Um, he turned into a legitimate all-star. And if they were to get, like, one other even borderline all-star player next to Oladipo, I mean, Miles Turner, he's got to fill that role for them. Uh, he has to. Right. Um, but he hasn't, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's good. He's good. But he's not that borderline all-star. He's good. He's a good player. Miles right. Turner's a really good player. But he's not, he's not there yet. And if they can get that kind of borderline all-star player, um, almost like – I'm trying to think of like a – we're talking about comparison. I'm trying to think of a comparison. I mean, I guess you could say in today's NBA, like obviously he was an all-star player for a long time, but like Al Horford. You know, if, someone, if they had Al Horford on their team, I think they're a top four team with Al Depot and like Al Horford. Um, is that where they need the help though? Is, is it like they need another yeah, so, big so or do they need another wing? Yeah, I was thinking of more caliber there. So, I, I, I you know – it, it would probably have to be more of like a small forward, kind of like wing slasher player. Okay. Because, um, you know, they've got Turner already. Uh, they've got Oladipo. M- maybe it could be even a star point guard uh, to go next to Oladipo. Uh, but kind of, it's got to be more of a point guard, small forward. Not They don't really need the big men. they got Sabonis. Sabonis is fantastic. Uh, they've got Miles Turner. So they're not lacking in big men. I was just thinking more of a caliber. Think of an sure. Al Horford caliber player. Right. Uh, where he's not a superstar, not even really a star star anymore, but he's a really good player. Um, but, you know, as of now, they'll probably be a fifth or sixth seed in the East, and they may make the second round, depending on who they play in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but they're, they're a really good team. I think that's just what they are, what they are, and they, they did a good job. They're better than they were when they had Paul George. I mean, in the recent times, now, now five, six years ago, no, but like in the, in the last four years, you know, Paul George and the Pacers weren't that good. Right. So they they hit the lottery. I mean, who who wins who wins a trade where they where you trade a star? I know. I mean, they got some bonus <laughs> and Old Depot. Yeah, that's that was. I, I I don't I don't think the Timberwolves are going to look back at the Jimmy Butler trade the same way the Pacers look back at the Paul George trade. And Paul George, in my opinion, my humble opinion, is better than Jimmy Butler too. Sure. Okay. So yeah, totally agree. So, what? What does Miles Turner have to get better at if he's going to rise to that level of player, if that's possible? Like, wh- his, 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 his medium jump shot is, is knocked down. I mean, that's like, you talk about like Steph Curry. So Steph Curry's got that three-pointer that's just knocked down. Miles Turner, if you hit him on top of the key, mm-hmm. a little above the free-throw line, I mean, that's like, a, that's like booking. Uh, he is so good at mid-range jump shots. Okay. I think he's got to get a little more like almost like explosive, kind of like, He's got really good dunks. I mean, he, he can get a crowd hyped up, but he's got to get more explosive off the pick and roll. He's got to get more. You can dump it into the post, and he'll just, you know, he can still do this stuff. I'm talking about he's got to be elite at it. Dump it right. into the post. He can back it down, give you a move, and go to the basket. He's got to get better at that stuff. Be more of a kind of a bang. You know, it's not, it's almost old-fashioned at this point, but he's got to get a little bit of that in him. He's, he's got it. Get a little more, like, elite at it, I guess is a better way to put it. Because he's really good. He's good at everything. That's the problem. He's good. Other than the middle range, other than the mid range jump shot, he's not great at every anything. Okay. I. The last time the Hawks were in the playoffs was a couple of years ago, and they lost in six games to the Wizards. And as I was watching that Wizards series, I thought that the Hawks might win that series just because they were able to play so well when. 
Bojan Bogdanovich was on the floor because they just went at him defensively and they got a lot of really good offense going uh, you know with guys like Tim Hardaway Kent Bazemore stuff like that he looked like a completely different player last postseason like what what's gone right for that guy to, to make that kind of transformation Bogdanovich yeah Bogdanovich he started his career with the Nets. Um, he came over from from another country with the Nets. Uh, he was they talked about him like he was going to be a really good player. Uh, then obviously yeah, he, he did well with the Nets. People forget he actually he dropped four, he's dropped forty plus in I think one or two games. Um, he went to the Wizards obviously yeah. Pacers he just seems more like it's like his fit. I don't know. They're just a good defensive team. I don't think the Wizards are a good defensive team. So it, you know it, it's kind of like it shows your flaws. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, Maybe you know, the last you, month or so has been because they have a lot of the same players still now on the Wizards, and they're just not it's good been at a defense. struggle, yeah. They, they, it's it's an, almost like an effort thing. And the Patriots almost like it, it's not they're not like the top defensive team, but it's more of it's more of a group uh, defensive effort, you know. And it's, that's not going to exploit someone like Bogdanovich as much because it's just easier if you get by Bogdanovich. There's other help defenders and stuff with the Wizards. I mean, they play like I don't give a crap ball half the time. You know, so if if you blow by somebody, forget about it. So can he can he play at the small forward position, or do you have to put him at power forward a lot, just because he's kind of a, a bigger? Yeah, I mean, he could. Uh, he's kind of to me, he's more of almost a small forward shooting guard. But obviously, with the with Victor Oladipo, he's not. But okay. but I, I don't see him much as power forward. I'm sure they use him, you know, in in lineups uh, like that. Uh, you know, they do. But I'm just saying that. To me, he's more of a small forward towards guard, not not power forward. Okay. I don't think that's. But I mean, you know, the stretch forte and everything, he could find. But defensively, who's a stop at six? You know, six 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 seven. Um, but he's he's big. I mean, he's a big guy. He can be a really good shooting, you know, shooting guard size, and then he's natural position small forward. All right. Well, uh, I I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this. You got anything you want to plug, uh, other than your excellent Atlanta story? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, no, I, th I think we're totally good. Uh, I'd love love having our conversation. I'd love to do another one, too. All right. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you go. Have a good one. Yeah, you too.